1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 4 postgame show as the Bears took care of business and take down Minnesota by the final score of 16-6. to 6. Now, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me break down this Bears victory, the third of the season, I am joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, I haven't asked you in a very long time.
2: Can you summarize this game in one word? Uh, One word, I guess, not it, Uh I can't. I can't do it in one word. It's just not as stressful as it was the previous three games. Let's just say that. Which is crazy considering all the
1: circumstances that unfolded before kickoff, six plays into the game. It was rather crazy. So for me, crazy is going to be my kind of synopsis here because the Bears – by any stretch of the means, we under undermanned today. And they found a way to still get it done at home, protecting Soldier Field. But let's go ahead, Nick. I'm excited to have this post-game show. Let's jump right into the first quarter with my monster moment of the game. And there's a few I could have gone here, which I feel like I say every week, but that is football. There are, is more than one play. Uh, but for me, this week, I'm going to go with Khalil Max strip sack right out of halftime. May not have been the biggest play of the game, but to me it was because it led to a Bears field goal, which again, 13-0 not a large lead. It's still technically it's a two score game which it already was but more importantly the Bears came out the second half and Khalil Mack set a tone. Never gave Minnesota a chance to gain any confidence in this game and on top of that if Minnesota marches their way down the field and scores in that drive it's a one score game. So for me that Strip sack to start the second half, setting the tone that says like we won't be stopped is a big reason why that play by Cleo Mack is going to be my monster moment of the game. But Nick, over to you. What's going to be your Moriano minute?
2: Yeah, I think just for the Moriano mint this week, it's just, you alluded to it kind of earlier, just with people stepping up throughout the entirety of this team, whether it was on the offensive line. I saw Rashad Coward playing right guard. You see, um, you know, the linebacker, Kevin Pierre Lewis, who's coming in and making uh, significant time, significant minutes. And, Nick Kwiatkowski, Nick Williams, the Knicks kind of doing their thing there. So just it was a group effort from some of the backup guys that usually don't get playing time. But when they had their opportunities, they made the most of it just kind of shows the depth and the quality of depth on this team. And when they get their chance to make plays, a lot of them did that today. So that's the Moriano minute this week. Just seeing the depth that the Bears have and seeing these guys play out, play just play to the best of their abilities and make plays for the team. So it was great to see that.
1: Awesome. Now for me, I'm going to go into the stat of the game here. For me, I'm looking at time of possession. The Bears won that mightily today. Uh, They had the ball for 35 minutes and 27 seconds as compared to the Vikings, which had it for 24 minutes and 33 seconds. And that, to me, is a little skewed in a fourth quarter when the Bears went to more prevent mode because in the first half, the Bears had the ball for over two-thirds of the first half, which really is where this game was won for Chicago. And even in the third quarter, the Bears at that point were still dominating Time of possession. The offense was doing a great job of mounting, you know, multiple long drives that were able, not just in terms of yardage, but eating clock, you know, meticulous with their ball of movement, not pushing it too far down the field, but not taking it too cautious as well. They did a great job of slowly but surely moving their way down the field all game long. Most of it. I would like to see a little bit more in the fourth quarter. We'll talk about that. Uh, That's also a recurring theme here so far. It seems like this season for the offense. But for me, the Bears' ability to A, keep that offense on the field, give that Bears defense finally some rest in the game. And I think you saw what happens when you give that Bears defense some rest today because they just went crazy with, uh, what, six sacks today? It was nuts. So for me, time of possession is going to be the overall stat of the game with a few sprinkled in there as well. But Nick, over to the midway mall again. If you can look at one play or one moment of this game and take it back, what would that be?
2: So I think, uh, in terms of how I look at this moment, and it kind of worked out in the Bears' favor. Finally,
0: a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
2: It's when Nick Kwiatkowski actually stripped Kirk Cousins, and it was that fumble that ended up being not a fumble for mm. Leonard Floyd. But just if Leonard Floyd gets that ball and is able to secure it, just going back, I wonder how that changes also again the field position there and stuff like that. But I I mean, there was just so much good to come from what this bears defense did and offensively. I'm not going to, I guess, grade them as hard as I would because that is chase Daniel out there. Right. I don't know if you're expecting the offense to look as efficient and well, but it did look good in spurts. But I think that's just a moment. Again, that's another turnover. The bears could have had and could have maybe led to points down the road. But yeah, so that's a very, I guess, ticky-tacky one that I'm pointing out because I just wanted more out of it. I wanted the turnover instead of just being a third and whatever, 30-something. Mm, but, um, yeah, so.
1: I'm a, I'm a little interested. He didn't take
2: back the Trubisky play. Yeah, that, I think it just happened so early on in the game. And I guess I got into a – like I said, it was I wasn't as stressed watching this game. So I guess just with watching what the offense was kind of doing in the first half and the defense how they dominated, I just felt at ease that even though Trubisky wasn't in there – like, it, w- I knew the Bears were going to win regardless, just how that defense was playing. But that's th- obviously a good one to choose.
1: Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about the impact and everything else in terms of Trubisky here coming up in the second quarter of the show. Uh, for me, if I did have to just chime in here, maybe that third down run with Cordero Patterson, that third and two that yeah. the Bears should have been able to pick up easily if you just rely on number 32, David Montgomery. Uh, so for me, that may be a moment as well in the grand scheme of things I take back. But let's go ahead. MVB, I want to jump in because I'm doing something I've never done before, Nick. Never. And this is episode, by the way, episode 400 of the podcast right now just kind of buried the lead there but i'm very excited that this is episode number 400 so for that i'm doing something i've never done before i'm gonna do four different mvbs nick four
2: wow that's for 400 you know i guess
1: i mean that honestly just that's a coincidence but for (laughs) me i'm giving the mvb to chase daniel nick kwiatkowski roy robertson harris and nick williams if you're wondering why well there's a common theme right All these players stepped up in this game due to an injury. Chase Daniel in the middle of this game, early on in this game. Nick Wachowski, Roquan Smith is a surprise uh, non-participant today due to a personal reason. He steps in and plays well. And then Roy robertson Harris and Nick Williams stepping in for an Akeem Hicks today. The Bears' defensive front looked like it was still at top of its game. So for me, all these reasons, all these players stepping up, it when their moment was called and to step into some big shoes all across the board I have to give it to everyone because honestly if one of these guys would have had a letdown game we could be talking about an entirely different outcome today so for me all four of those players are well deserving of the MVB award today for me Nick how about you are you choosing from my crop of four or are you going elsewhere
2: no, I think he did a really good job of giving those guys the credit that they deserve in this game where the Bears needed people to step up. So I'll just take the easy way out and just go with Khalil Mack being the MVP. Just the dominant force that he is on the football field. Like Kirk Cousins said earlier in the week, sometimes he just doesn't even want to throw the ball completely because he feels Mack's presence, so he'd rather take an incompletion than fumble. Well, he ended up fumbling a couple times anyway with... Against Khalil Mack today, and he had one and a half sacks. You could just tell the edge was set every single time Mack was on that side. Dalvin Cook never got going, and a big part, big reason why, of course, is the entire Bears defense. But Khalil Mack is in, going to be a factor on every one of those plays, drawing holding penalties, getting after the quarterback, making Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. He is just an absolute force. He's best, he's best easily in the league at getting that football out of quarterbacks' hands, and you saw it today against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. So I'll give my MVB to Khalil Mack.
1: I'm watching games like this, Nick, and I'm like, I don't think my jersey curse can affect him. I really don't. I like those (laughs) jerseys so much. I'm like, I won't do it. And I have something else I want to share, but I'll be in the second quarter of the show, and we'll get there in just a moment. But first, we do need to call a timeout real quick and tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing sites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? That's a great question. To put it as simply as possible, SeatGeek is a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, it rates each on a scale of 1 to 10, and finally SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. And of course, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. All of us here at the Chicago Wild have the SeatGeek app on our phone as By far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets throughout the years. Earlier today, I was looking at the Bears-Chiefs game, the game we're going to. Still plenty of amazing deals left if you're looking at joining us later on here in the season. And here's the kicker. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That promo code again is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. Welcome back. You're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm Russell Dewitt. I'm joined by my co-host Nicholas Moriano, and this is our Bears Vikings post game show. And it's time to kick off our second quarter and dissect the Bears' offense. And Nick, we can't start anywhere else besides quarterback today because six plays in, Mitch Trubisky he injures his shoulder. Chase Daniel gets thrust into playing time today, and as soon as Mitch goes down, at first I was. Honestly, I was pissed off when I saw that ball kind of get loose. And I was like, oh, here we go. Drive one, six plays in. What the heck was that? And then you see the replay, you see the injury, and I'm like, okay, I take that back. Um, but I do want to mention, as everyone listening to podcast knows of my weird history of stuff, I wore my Trubisky shirt for the first time in about a year, it feels like, and that happened. So I felt pretty, re- you know, I regretted that decision uh, from this morning right out of the gate. But Nick, getting to the serious stuff here, Ms. Trubisky out. Let's look at today before we start looking long term. So, obviously, he didn't hurt the Bears today. So, when you're looking at Chase Daniel, what did he do well today? Because it seemed like a lot.
2: Yeah. So, you know, before I even say what he we did well today, remember when everybody, Will, in preseason was saying, mm-hmm. Oh, Chase Daniel looks horrible. He's a guy that can't stand the pocket, doesn't look comfortable. And we always said, You guys are always, you're overreacting. Just stop thinking that Chase Daniels not like he's a terrible quarterback put in Tyler Bray. Well, this game proved what Chase Daniel can do when he has a first string offense. So everybody that was talking crap about him could really go look back at themselves thinking they're silly for what they said. Because what Chase Daniel was able to do is distribute the ball to everybody on that Mm -hmm. first drive when they scored. Six people touched the ball. Six different receivers touched the ball on that on that drive for the uh, the Bears, that first touchdown drive. That's what Matt Nagy's going to do because Chase Daniel knows this offense. Maybe he doesn't have the arm strength that Mitch Trubisky does and obviously the mobility, but he knows the offense. Yes, in the second half, they kind of, I guess, would say they got a little less aggressive than they would in the first half, but when you have a defense like that, I guess I could see it. It's still, you want to see more from it, but Chase Daniel's somebody who's a serviceable guy who can get things done. You don't have to really take away from the offense because he knows it. He's a veteran in this league. He backed up Drew Brees. So it's a guy that you feel comfortable with, comfortable running the offense with out there. And just to, you know, an update from the pro football doctor, who usually is pretty good with injuries, um, reading a tweet here about Mitch Trubisky. It says the Bears quarterback was stripped of the ball and fell on his outstretched left arm. By video, he appears to dislocate his non-throwing shoulder. If this were the right side, his season would be done. As usual, the labrum is torn. He likely will return this season in a week or two, but it would be a tall order to obviously return today, which he didn't. So maybe that's optimism moving forward, but just wanted to give that, you know, I guess injury update from the pro football doctor who's usually Mm -hmm. pretty good and pretty accurate with what he puts out there.
1: Yeah, I felt pretty good about myself because I was like, oh, that's a dislocated shoulder, and someone, of course, it's Twitter, and you're not a doctor. I'm like, yes, but I've had six dislocated shoulders in my lifetime, so I just have an idea of what those – tend to look like and especially not just the play itself but just how he was carrying himself as he was walking down the sideline but Mitch being out that's going to be an interesting development as we're waiting to see the severity of that injury obviously it didn't look good it's going to have some effect not just now but probably the next few weeks if not the entire season but focusing on this game just for now and again we have a week to dissect this and everything else but when I'm looking at Chase Daniel it just seemed like once he was in there and he got into a groove. I mean, the Bears offense opened up a little bit. You're seeing Chase Daniel. uh, He's accurate. He's poised. I mean, even when pressure in his face, he's standing tall in the pocket. As tall as he can be, he's a little bit shorter uh, on the end for quarterbacks. But when I'm looking at him, I mean, he's throwing guys open. He's allowing his playmakers to do what uh, they need to in order to win routes. He has the patience to allow some of those intermediate routes to develop, and he was able to make some of those passes as well. But, Really, all in all, just very impressed, not just with his ball placement, but his decision-making. And it does seem like, and again, maybe we would have seen Mitch do the same things today, but it felt like this is exactly what the offense has been missing all season long. Did you get the same kind of sense, Nick?
2: Yeah, I did, because it just seemed like we were using everybody along the offense. It just wasn't one guy, and I think that's what... Everyone was kind of expecting coming into the 2019 season. The Bears have so many weapons, and maybe we said in our preview shows that maybe Allen Robinson is going to be a 1,000-yard receiver, which I still think he can be, but it might be tough because you're distributing the ball to so many different players, and that's what we saw today. Uh, even though Allen Robinson caught a majority of the passes and did a really good job at that because he's a number one wide receiver. But it just seemed like Matt Nagy wasn't afraid to go to anybody. And he obviously stuck to David Montgomery down the stretch and for the majority of the game and gave Trey Cohen handoffs. He just wasn't a slot receiver. That's what we expected coming into 2019. And I think Matt Nagy did a good job for what he had and, you know, missing pieces on the offensive line, missing Taylor Gabriel, wide receiver, limited from what you would normally had full strength. So I think that was good on Matt Nagy's part, just getting Chase Daniel comfortable with the offense, making those, like you said, quick decisions, decisive with his decision making, which is key for, you know, a backup quarterback or any quarterback really. But that's what I think we wanna see from this offense moving forward, regardless if it's Chase Daniel or Mitch Trubisky at quarterback.
1: Yeah, and Chase Daniel today, 22 of 30, 195 yards, one touchdown, 101.4 quarterback rating. Let's look long-ish term here, Nick, just for a minute, because again, I do like to dissect the shows, and we could talk about this here later on the week on the podcast, but doesn't that feel like a lot already, like the Jay Cutler, Josh McCown sort of deal, especially if, I know it's been one game, and we saw what Chase Daniel can do last year, but maybe this is his time to play up a little bit and keep this offense moving and not being the flashy guy, the over athletic guy, but just that quarterback that plays within the system is to tailor. The system is tailored around him as well. And he just plays well. And again, and the guys around him, you know, surround him and the corral with it. I don't know. I'm not trying to get overly, you know, over the hill just yet, but you have to wonder if Mitch misses a couple games or a few games and Chase Daniel plays, efficient football and the offense is doing well
2: what do you do then right oh they're going to go back to Mitch Trubisky I don't care how well Chase Daniel's doing and they have the Oakland Raiders in London next week which is going to be a matchup in the Bears favor for Chase Daniel you get that bye week you have a New Orleans team without a Drew Brees so there's there's some favorable matchups coming up but I I doesn't matter I don't think how well chase Daniels doing up to this point, unless he's just lying the world on fire, like throwing three, four touchdown passes efficient. And it's just, he looks like the, I guess the guy quote unquote, but yeah, I, there's no way I can see um, even how well he, he would play where Mitch doesn't come back when he's healthy. Uh, but just don't rush it though. That's a thing. I think mm-hmm, maybe last exactly. year they did it and it was against the Rams. He throws three picks first game off an of injury with his right shoulder. And obviously Mitch just wasn't the same. So whatever it may be, you just got to give Mitch time to fully recover because anything where you can have maybe a, a letdown game because of an injury, confidence can be shot right then and there. And I thought just last week throwing the three touchdown passes, the the confidence was on the upswing for Mitch. And then right. obviously six plays in, it's done. His day's over and now he has to recover again. So I don't see Chase Daniel obviously taking not like taking the job or anything. So it, it's just going to be how long is it going to take for Mitch and just give him time to come back healthy.
1: One thing I'm noticing from Chase and that I don't see from Mitch, and then I'll move on from it, is his ability to read a defense. Uh, not yeah. just during a play, but pre-snap. He does a really good job of utilizing motion, Uh, And finding out what the defense is going to do to him using that play clock effectively. Like even when I watched that play clock, you know, trickle to the six, seven. Oh, I'm going backwards. Seven, six, five. (laughs) I never got worried that like there's going to be like a weird delay of game penalty or the offense is going to be off schedule. He just felt like, you know, in full command of the show right there. And again, you saw a few times where the Vikings were going to come in on a blitz. He saw it. He threw in the open space that was left, that void where the blitz came from. Those are things I'm still hoping to see out of Mitch. And I believe he can learn those subtle nuances, but you haven't seen it yet. But regardless of any way you want to shake it today, Chase Daniel did enough to win. He played very well. And when I'm looking at what he did last year and then preseason and now this year, this is by far the best showing that we've seen out of Chase Daniel ever since he's been here in Chicago. And I'm very glad that, you know, they kept him around. They're paying him what they're paying him. And he's here to be our
2: backup guy. Anything else about uh, Chase Daniel, Nick, before we move forward? Actually, it's not. Well, it's actually for Mitch when he was playing and Chase Daniel. I had in my notes up until uh, up until Mitch got injured. I was saying in my notes, Trubisky. He audibles like one of the very first plays gets everyone adjusted. There's a lot of communication that was happening just within that first drive, and that's when even Mitch Trubisky was in the game. He's putting people. He's seeing something that the defense is showing. Maybe it's a blitz, and he's adjusting to it. And obviously, you saw that from Chase Daniel. So. Who we obviously don't know how this game could have played out if Mitch played, but I was seeing that even early on, and then the injury happens. But it's it's good to see that we have a capable backup. That mm-hmm. people who are you know saying that in the preseason trade him, get Tyler Bray in there. They're probably going to bring up Tyler Bray though maybe next week just to have two quarterbacks on the right because you don't want Tyron Cohen being that backup mm-hmm. to Chase Daniel. That probably wouldn't be the the best case scenario. But look. Good for Chase Daniel stepping in, having the game that he did, and getting the Bears a much needed victory against a division opponent at home. All right, well, you talked about
1: Allen Robinson, and you know you said it; a lot of Bears contributed today in the passing game. Robinson, obviously, he's a no-brainer. Seven catches, seventy-seven yards, and all you know, everything that he brought to the table. He actually had one that was an OPI, which okay, fine. But either way, he caught every ball thrown his way today. He's proving week in, week out that he is a true number one receiver, and I think you're seeing more of that kind of coming out today. That one ridiculous, you know, toe drag on the sideline as well really sticks out in my mind. But when you're looking at all the receivers today. And keep in mind, Taylor Gabriel was out with that concussion
2: that he sustained last week. Who stood out to you today? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple guys that stood out, and maybe the stats don't really reflect that. But Javon Wims, a guy that he was pegged as a starter when Taylor Gabriel was not out there, he made a great just catch and route, uh, just a, a double move basically on Trey Waynes and is able to adjust to the football that's kind of behind him. And that's what you want to see from Javon Wims because we saw that. You know, at the end of last season in training camp, he hasn't got as many opportunities as you would like in 2019 just due to all the weapons that the Bears have. He made a great catch on when, you know, he was his number was called upon. And then even Anthony Miller, he had a big, what was it, fourth down catch down in the, mm-hmm. the Vikings territory. So when I think what was it, Mike Zimmer decides to call a timeout, look like the Bears were just going to um, they were just going to punt. And it ends up, you know, working out in the Bears' favor. So even, like, little catches like that, or they're not little catches, but they're, you know, catches that maybe just keep the Bears' offense out there, keeps the chains moving. So you're starting to see that, you know, a little bit more from these guys, and that's exactly what you want to see out of this Bears' offense because at any given game, any given moment, they could be the guy. And we're starting to see a little bit of that, even with a backup quarterback. And so it didn't really stop Matt Nagy from going to certain guys, which is great to see.
1: Yeah, when Daniel was in there, I did have a hunch that he was going to look at Javon just a little bit more because those two had a lot of reps together in training camp and preseason, working with the twos. And, you know, Javon, he caught four of his five targets, 56 yards, and 37 of which came in that one play that you're talking about off the double move, which was the Bears' biggest play on offense for the entire game. And that's a, you know that's great for Javon Wims, and I hope he builds off of that. But when I'm looking at this, it is the collective hole. I mean, we had some crucial catches from Trey Burton. And I remember one from Adam Shaheen. You mentioned the one from Anthony Miller. There's another one from J.P. Holtz. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you're getting everyone involved, and that's credit to Matt Nagy for the play calling. Kudos to, of course, Chase Daniel as well for reading the defense properly and finding the open man instead of relying on you know his top guys. So for me, I mean, it's awesome to see everyone pitching in. It wasn't just a one-man show. It was everyone doing what they needed to do and whenever their number was called. However, the situation unfolded, and they stepped up today. I mean, when I'm looking around, the only person that even st- uh, st- stood stood out to me in a bad way in terms of when they're targeted was a Tariq Cohen. He was targeted five times, only seven yards as a receiver today. And there was one that he dropped along the sideline, which was a beautiful throw by Daniel as well. Um, but everyone else was very efficient with uh, in terms of targets versus catches and, of course, overall production. But Cohen himself, only two catches off his five targets, which was the second most on the team. And, again, only uh, seven yards to his name there. So when I'm looking at this Bears offense, Nick, uh, I talked about it early on in the show, but just their overall pace, their overall rhythm, is that what you want to see more of going forward? Because I loved it overall in terms of keeping that Minnesota defense you know, pretty much gassed all game long and keeping them on the field. And this has been a Bears offense has had a hard
2: time sustaining drives, and they found a way to do it. What was working so well? I mean, I think just a lot of things, and when you have a quarterback that just knows the offense can go through those progressions, it definitely helps. But I I think – when in terms of what we saw, there's just a lot of communication, like I was saying earlier. You see Chase, and you see maybe this clock is getting down a 3-2, but that's because he's just getting everybody in order. It's not like he's rushing. They're just kind of looking over surveying the defense and seeing what are they throwing at us, and now let me adjust. Let me audible. Uh, I'll have you know my receiver just run a you know quick flare out because they're coming with the blitz. So I do like seeing that, and I think when you get your players to the line of scrimmage fast enough, You can assess the situation that's in front of you. But I think even just what they did last week against Washington, going that little hurry up, that tempo that we were talking about, you can incorporate both these kind of things today or moving forward, that's gonna keep one defense is off balance. Like are they gonna, you know, hurry things up, or are they just gonna sit back, kind of see what read this defense and then call the play. So I think just a mixture of both moving forward for whether it's Chase Daniel or Mitch Trubisky is going to benefit this offense. But it's great that they got were able to get a touchdown that first drive, first time all season they were able to do that and just kind of get the running game going in bits and pieces. Obviously, you see they only ended with 72 total yards. But I think at times where they needed to you know, pick up those couple yards from David Montgomery, he was able to do so. And I thought the line just blocked a little bit better. Again, you want to see maybe 100 yards total, but – it, it, this is a stout Vikings defense. So yeah, I think bits and pieces moving forward for the bears offense is going to be the best moving forward. Let's talk
1: about that offensive line. Actually, I think there's a really good segue into them because like you said, I thought they played well, like especially given the fact that there was no Kyle long today. You saw Ted Larson thrust into place, which by the way, I was like, Oh yeah, no Kyle long is like, what's backup plan what is it what is it what is it and it's Ted Larson and I'm like oh yeah duh it's gonna be Ted Larson out there which I mean he's that you know that's why we brought him in to play that Eric Cush type of guy or maybe just a Ted Larson type of guy that he was a few seasons ago here in Chicago uh, but he played you know admirably he got hurt and then he was kind of fighting through that injury but then he saw Rashad Coward who we've never seen play offensive guard Ever in Chicago, always right tackle. Got slid in to right guard, first play, got a really big block that led to a decent gain as well on the ground. But overall I'm still wanting more, Nick, out of this offensive line because they allowed, even though it was only one sack, they still allowed four quarterback hits today and five tackles for a loss, which to me showed that they weren't having a you know a great time stopping or winning at the point of attack today. And a guy like Charles Leno Jr. too, it seemed like time and time again. I mean He's a little slow getting out of his stance, which is maybe why he's doing some of these false starts that we're accustomed to seeing to each and every week. But when you're seeing a guy like, you know, David Montgomery only averaged two point five yards per carry, uh Tariq Cohen did have five carries today, still averaged only two point two. I mean, I still want to see more. Uh, I know that you mentioned that, yeah, they at least they stuck with it. And I agree, 33 carries today is, is a good number to have, and it's a big reason why the Bears were able to really win that time of possession today. But are you going to put some of the blame on the Bears' offensive line, or is it really the level of competition that they were going up against in Minnesota?
2: I think you got to put it on both. And remember, at the end of the game, I don't know if the Bears are really – they're just looking to kind of kill the clock. They know they're not going to pick up good chunkage yardage, right? So there's a lot of those runs at the end for David Montgomery where, yeah, it's kind of like almost garbage time stats, and that's going to skew the stats definitely not in their favor. But, yeah, I definitely want to see more from the offensive line. We haven't seen that rushing game really get going. And, I mean, when you play a good defense like the Vikings have, who has been able to stop good, you know, some teams in the past just with their running attack – it makes sense what the bears are able to, but especially with not having long there and you have Coward, who's never played right guard before he's thrust in there. And Charles Leno, this season has not played good. I'm going to say it right now. I don't think he's been playing very well, especially the guy that played last season. Someone that you can just rely on. I can pinpoint to one game where he, it was Buffalo last year where he struggled and that was it really mm-hmm. for Charles Leno jr. And now this season, it's like, Here's another series where he's not able to win at the point of attack. There was a spin move by Everson Griffin today. Completely gets Leno off balance and Chase Daniel takes a hit. It's like this is your backup quarterback. He cannot get injured. You have to do a better job at blocking these guys. So, yeah, I want to see more out of him, even James Daniels at times. So, collectively, as an entire unit, they've definitely underperformed through four games in the twenty nineteen season. That has to improve. Maybe the bye week will or even in Oakland next week will give them some kind of boost because they need to be able to rely on this run game, especially late in games. Because it would be nice if the Bears can just run out the clock. If they can they don't even have to rely on their defense again. But that hasn't been the case. Usually the Bears have to punt it away in three play, or after three plays and then rely on the defense yet again to, you know, get them a win. But it would be nice if that, that offensive line could step up.
1: All right, one last thing for you, Nick. Here on the Bears' offense, and I am looking at the play calling uh, third quarter in particular. I can throw in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, Nick Asen and I we had, we talked about this a little bit last week, so I did want you to have an opportunity to jump in here when you get to the second half of games and you have a lead. Finally,
0: a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
1: Now, like the Bears did today, were you okay with the level of, you know, conservativeness that the Bears displayed today? Or were you hoping they would have kept you know, the same kind of mentality like they did in the first half of the game. And again, when you have a backup quarterback in, that could change some things. And I bet you uh, Matt Nagy really felt like, you know, as long as we don't turn this ball over and our defense is playing as well as they are, I don't mind punting and giving Minnesota long fields to work with. So there are two sides to the story. Uh, I just want to kind of get your take on it.
2: There are two sides to the story, but I think anytime you get complacent, that's going to hurt you in the future. It really is because it can just take one big play to really swing momentum For a team that has been doing nothing in the first half, like the Vikings did, had they maybe connected on a big play with Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs, there's momentum switch. Now your offense has to score. And if you're being complacent on offense, like, oh, you know, we'll just run the ball, we get three and out or whatever, and then defense will bail us out. You can't do that because this Bears offense, I think, is still kind of getting those reps that they. Didn't have throughout the preseason, right? They haven't shown that they're a good unit yet. So they need every time they step onto the football field, again, when it's even a sixteen to zero game, whatever it was, you still need to look to score. You shouldn't ever be complacent with it, even with the backup quarterback. So I think moving forward, you just want to see the Bears at least be a little bit, a little bit more aggressive, just to keep wanting to get first downs and not just have to again, like I said, just rely on the defense to bail you out of a game, even though. Pretty much can because that defense is unreal. Will, it is so much fun to watch. And I know we'll talk about it in a little bit here, but you want to see more from the offense for sure moving forward.
1: Yeah. You just talked about the defense, and my mind kind of went off. Like, oh, that was a lot of fun to watch, and I (laughs) kind of lost my uh, my train of thought here. One thing I did want to mention: uh, were the Bears on third down at least in the first half? Again, the first half, that offense was doing a lot of good things. Uh, They were fifty percent on third down, which is really impressive against Minnesota because on the season the average is only twenty nine percent against them. And they were two for two on fourth down in that first half. But then when you look into the overall game, I mean, the third down percentage went all the way down. They were 5 of 16. I believe they only had one third down conversion in the entire second half, and then, of course, they well, I was going to say they didn't make it on that fourth down conversion, but they didn't try. They just ran it at the very end of this game. I was just taking a knee instead of running it with David Montgomery. uh, That's just me. If you're just going to give up, just take the knee and let the clock stop and do what you had to do. Don't let your rookie running back take an extra hit there, but yeah, I really liked what the Bears were able to do on third down when they tried, or at least in the first (laughs) half. And then the second half, it all fell apart. I had a huge talking point surrounding this, like, wow, the Bears offense on third down, which they've struggled all year. Minnesota's been great on third down on defense all year, six in the NFL entering this week. And then the second half happened, and I was like, scrap that. But I did at least want to mention what they are able to do in the first half, which led to those long scoring drives, which really, you know, I think they're talking about it, right, in CBS, uh, Romo and them, just talking about – what we're just going to get two possessions each and we're going to call it a half. And I'm like, yep, that's pretty much it. it." Yeah. And then from there, I mean, everything, we know exactly how it unfolded, but the bears first half did a pretty decent job on third down. And I'll leave it at that. Any other tidbits you want to mention about the offense today? Again, I know we talked about chase Daniel, which is a big story running game did Okay. Not overly great. Offensive line stood up. Uh, but other than that, It was a pretty, like I said, you don't have any drives to talk about. So when you talk about the ones that worked and led the points, and second half you punted a few times, you don't got a lot to say.
2: Yeah, you don't have a lot to say. Uh, I guess there were a couple. I think there were just short yardage situations where Chase Daniel missed the throws, like a third and two, and they ran. Oh, those quick outs. He had a hard time today on those. The the quick outs where, you know, I think I could possibly throw that. I don't know, but it's like those are ones where that's that's Chase Daniel though. He's a backup. So he's just going to miss some of those, even for how, how good he has looked. He just missed, like, an easy one. It's like, how did you throw that ball down the sideline to Javon Wims on a 30-something-yard gain? Then it's a five-yard out and just nowhere near the mark. And you're going to get that with a backup quarterback. It's, you know, bound to happen. So that definitely needs to, you know, improve moving forward. And whether it's Mitch, again, or Chase Daniel. But, again, this is an offensive with a backup quarterback without a starting wide receiver, without starting right guard and they were still able to put, you know, some points on a Vikings defense that's been pretty good this season. You'll take that. It was a victory at home and you move forward and hopefully Mitch just gets better soon.
1: Okay, so you brought up Mitch because I was waiting. You said I was like, you're down starting receiver, and then down a starting guard, and I was like, well, wait a minute. I was trying to read there's, between there's the lines. But you fixed it. You fixed it. So I'll give you that one. All right, Nick, let's go ahead and enter the third quarter now of our post game show, and let's talk about that Chicago Bears defense. Like you said, it was a lot of fun to watch. They came out of the gate swarming Kirk Cousins, and on top of that. Pretty much telling Dalvin Cook, no, you're not going to do anything against us all game long. I don't care if you came in as the NFL's leading rusher. I don't care if you're averaging 6.6 yards per carry. I don't care we're down to Keem Hicks. Oh, Roquan Smith, he has a personal day. You're still not going anywhere today. So with the defense, let's go ahead and just begin with some big picture kind of you know conversation. What uh, now that we're about a half hour after this game, Nick? What's still sticking in your mind the most?
2: I think it was that rush defense, especially from that defensive line without a Bilal Nichols and Akeem Hicks. The guys up front did not give ground and were giving the Vikings offensive line just fits all game. Roy Robertson, Harris, Nick Williams. You have Akeem Hicks in there. You have Aaron Lynch Lynch lined up at the nose tackle at one point in the play or in the the defense. It's just all these guys, a collective effort. That Vikings front was not ready for it. Even maybe they were feeling confident that, hey, we don't have to go against an Akeem Hicks who completely wrecked their game plan last time they played at Soldier Field Mm -hmm. on that, what was that, Sunday night game? So, but that the backups, the guys, just collective effort, Jay Rogers, the defensive line coach, just got these guys ready and they were just winning at the point of attack. And I think that's what was so surprising because this Vikings offensive line was creating holes for Dalvin Cook. You know, just up into this game, and you saw Dalvin Cook on the sidelines, Will. He just looked deflated he, he did. every he single did. time the camera panned over. It's like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, I just got to get hit again every time I go out there. Every single time he went out there. But that's what I think I'm still surprised after seeing this. What, you know, just thinking about this game and the defensive front was just dominant the entire game. And yeah, obviously at the end, they gave up a touchdown, gave up those yards, but. For the most part, that defensive front just dominated.
1: Oh, they did, and like before the game, when it's, this is more true after Roquan and his announcement came that he wasn't going to be playing today, I got real nervous real quick about what could happen on defense today. And you and I talked about it on Thursday during the preview podcast. Like, yeah, without without Akeem Hicks, we'll be okay. But then my rebuttal was that's why we brought in a Roquan Smith, and then he had no Roquan. But the defensive line itself played so good they allowed zero you know any push from that offensive line at all. They filled every gap. Eddie Goldman is someone who you never get a lot of love for. I mean, we tried to do a real good job in this podcast to do it, but, I mean, he was stacking and shedding and filling both A-gaps at the same time, and Danny Trevathan had a field day early on in this game due to that because he had wide open lanes to, you know, hit the hole and take down Dalvin Cook in a hurry. And Dalvin Cook, again, he entered the game averaging 6.6 yards per carry. He finished with 2.5. He, was, he never had a game all year with less than 110 yards on the ground. His He had 35 yards and yards. And, you know, I was like looking at what he's done against the Bears historically, and I thought, okay, cool. We've really shut him down before, but this would be the game where he kind of gets his, you know, works his way back just a little bit, especially with the Bears injuries. Didn't happen. As long as run today was nine yards, and that was the big play from him all day long today so for me the bears ability to stop the run which you and i both had as priority number one i think a lot of people did but as priority number one in this game to put the hand ball in the hands of Kirk cousins uh that came to fruition today and i think that's a big reason why the bears defense uh, was able to take it to the next level create some of those turnovers and like you talked about uh cook not looking you know Energized, looked deflated. <laughs> well, Kirk Cousins looked scared. He looked nervous. Uh, you know, all those things as well. And uh, when you have Khalil Mack breathing down your neck, uh, I would be too. But you talked about Nick Williams. How big of a surprise is he to you? Because you and I, we talked about him a little bit last year as a guy that, you know, he's serviceable. He can come in, get the job done. And then in training camp, oh, he's looking good. But do you envision him being actually this good I mean he has four sacks now in four games this season I mean that's something I never really envisioned out of a Nick Williams he to me is a very pleasant surprise so far for that Bears defensive line
2: yeah absolutely a pleasant surprise is uh you know a good good words to describe Nick Williams and his play uh, thus far in the 2019 season but we did see flashes from him well we we definitely pointed out in training camp where nick williams is getting in the backfield again nick williams is clogging up that lane or he's doing you know great things in preseason but nobody could have expected this kind of nick williams to show up you know even given the opportunities to you know show that he can play he's really taking advantage of that and he's able to not only rush the quarterback but he's able to stop the run as well so he's a complete defensive lineman. And, you know, they just they didn't uh, bring back Jonathan Bullard. Well, you see why. You have depth with the Bilal Nichols who's still dealing with an injury and then Nick Williams, but he has far exceeded probably anybody's expectations of how well he has played. So it's great to see because, again, there are going to be guys throughout the season that are going to go down and maybe they're just going to, in a game, they're not going to have as much reps because they're coming back from injury. And that's maybe Nakeem Hicks right now. But you have a Nick Williams in there. Not not the player that Akeem Hicks is obviously, but he did he played great today. Against the offensive line that had confidence coming into this game, now it's shot because they got, you know, outplayed by a bunch of guys that are, you know, claimed as being backups, but those are the Bears backups. Those are a different type of level of backups cuz they get after the quarterback and do everything they're asked to do and that's why the Bears defense is what it is.
1: Nick, you hit the gym. Are your biceps ever going to reach the level of a Nick Williams?
2: I uh, don't oh know, but I did point, I was like telling everybody I was watching the game with like Nick Williams has huge biceps, but no, I need to go to do arm day a couple every single day for the rest of my life to probably get to that level. <laughs> and you probably never will, even if you no, did that too. Uh, I do want to give a
1: few updates here. Uh,
2: Matt Nagy said he doesn't believe
1: that Trubisky's injury is season ending. Doesn't believe that's the case, but he doesn't know anything else. As of right now, we'll learn more tomorrow on Monday uh, on top of that, Roquan Smith's reason. We don't have any update there either. He says a personal day and they're going to leave it at that. So I'll respect Roquan's privacy and just hope everything is okay with him and his family. Yeah. Uh, and then, Nick, do you know who the game ball went to?
2: I would say Nick
1: Wachowski. None, because all the backups did so well, he didn't think it's fair to give out a game ball. Just like my MVB moment. So me and Coach Nagy are on the same page. I like that. I like that a lot. But after I toot my own horn, let's go back into some talking points here on the Bears defense. We talked about Nick Williams, the Bears defensive line. Let's take a moment and let's give some love for Roy Robinson Harris as well, though, because you know the whole defensive line deserves credit. Uh, we've already mentioned E. Goldman, Nick Williams. Let's talk about Roy Robinson Harris as well today. He had a you know a sack and a half. I think he can thank Khalil Mack for probably all sack and a half there. Um, but overall today, Roy Robson Harris, after he had a really good game against Green Bay, he kind of was back into the shadows, and now, boom, he's back. What did you see out of Roy Robinson-Harris today? Is he uh, you know, really starting to peak at the right time now, finally, in his career?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think you know he had like a position switch as well, but Roy Robinson-Harris has found a nice place on this Bears team. Too bad, if he keeps playing like this, he will not be on the Bears next season. He is going to get paid by somebody else. And I kept saying that because he's a complete... Defensive end, whatever, you know, hybrid position player he is, that's what Roy Robinson Harris is, because he can play the run, use his long arms to extend, shed blocks, find the ball carry in the backfield, and make tackles for loss. And then when he's just bull rushing or pass just getting his pass rush to the quarterback, he is doing it and just getting to not to that first move, but that second counter move to get to the quarterback. And that's what you want to see out of these guys that we're maybe labeled as project guys, right? Just they have to work to get to where they where they are now. And Roy Robertson Harris is, you know, the perfect example of what you can do when you mold a athletic talent into the guy that he is today. And that's just a complete defensive lineman. And like I said, he's probably if he keeps playing at this level, it, it's sad to say, but he probably won't be on the Bears next season because someone's gonna pay this guy. He's playing out of his mind right especially in this game and that game against the the Packers in week one. Great to see, though, because, again, he missed the whole entire season due to, like, an illness, I I think, to start off his career, Mm -hmm. I want to say. So to see where he's come from to where he is now, it's great to see that Roy Robinson Harris is making the most of it. For sure.
1: Now, looking at linebacker real quick, Nick Woskowski, we've talked about him. And we talked about him. You know, Actually, I think he's been here. He was like the first draft after we started this podcast. So we've seen his whole entire career here. Leads the team in tackles. He had 10 total, 9 solo, a sack, 2 tackles for a loss, and a quarterback hit today. And at first, my first note, my entire run sheet here is, oh, allowed to back up tight end to get a first down because he was too slow to keep up with them. Here yeah. we go again. And then from there, he shut me up. He's like, you know what? I'll play today, okay? And I was like, "Awesome! Thank you very much, Nick. We needed that kind of performance out of him today. It seemed like that was some inspired football by Nick Kwiatkowski today. He was all over the field. He was, you know, working his way through double teams on a screen to blow him up. Uh, he had one where he did that, and then following that play, he was able to get into the backfield and get a, you know, that forced fumble as well. So for me, when I'm looking at Nick Kwiatkowski today, Nick, I mean, I'm excited by what I saw, and I'm hopefully." This is the last time we have to say that this season. As much as it was such a good performance, Roquan. Constant- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and
0: automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to five hundred dollars on select adjustable mattress sets, and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at temperpedic.com.
1: Hopefully he's back next week, but how do you feel knowing that Nick Wachowski is still, you know, that third guy in the rotation because he still is a very serviceable, solid third inside linebacker on this team.
2: Yeah, he definitely is. And he showed a little bit of everything today. Maybe the past coverage wasn't as great, and I also had the same note, like, ah, that's that's not one of Nick Krakowski's strength, covering you know, a tight end or receiver over the middle on a drag route, but he did diagnose a, a screenplay that would have been a Big play for the Minnesota Vikings, and he was the one guy that was able to, one, get through the block and make a tackle. I think it was on the running back or whether it was a wide receiver screen. But you saw you saw that from Nick Kukowski. Even on the bull rush move, there was one where he just uses uh, – like he finesses around the running back and is able to get pressure. And that's the one I think for the Leonard Floyd fumble recovery, not recovery. And then there's one where he just straight up bull rushes Dalvin Cook. That was mm-hmm. mean just absolutely mean by Nick Kwiatkowski. So we saw a little bit of everything and a guy that they drafted in 2016. um, And obviously he had to play a lot in the beginning of his career. And then Roquan Smith happens, but it's good knowing that the bears have a guy like that, that the the bears defense didn't miss a beat with him. They really didn't. He was able to do his job, come in with blitzes and just be just a force out there. So when they get Roquan Smith, a, obviously an upgrade for the Bears defense. But if one of those guys has to take a break, like Dan Trevathan was taking a lot of breaks in this game. You saw a lot of Kevin Pierre Lewis Yeah, let's not forget about Nick him Krakowski. too. Good good yeah, call. No, I thought I thought he played a great game as well, just in coverage and uh just making tackles, just being physical. Yeah. You need to have capable guys and Nick Kukowski, Kevin Pierre Lewis, they show that they can be that today.
1: It's crazy. When you have you're down to a defensive lineman. You're playing your two, you know, it backup inside linebackers at times in this game against the Vikings, and you're still, you know, forcing them off the field. And I thought, you know, as much as we gave some love to Nick Kwiatkowski, you talked about KPL, Kevin Pierre Lewis, someone who I was excited about in preseason, seeing him get some action today, and he looked like he was, you know, I mean, he's a faster guy. He's better in coverage than Nick and that's a good reason why they brought him out there. But he's a guy too that just kind of shows his value on this team and the depth of it. As well, you can see Kevin Pierre-Lewis perhaps maybe not being a starter, but that top reserve on another defense. And right now he's fourth right now for the Chicago Bears. Okay, Nick, should we talk about Cleo Mack now?
2: What, what is there to be said about Cleo Mack, the most disruptive, dominant defensive player in the game? Well, I mean, every game you know he's going to show up. It doesn't matter how many guys they throw at him. There was one play where three different Vikings hit Cleo Mack And he still is finding a way to kind of inch closer and closer to the quarterback. He is, he's unreal. He, it's just, I mean, you don't even have to really provide much analysis for Khalil Mack because you just know the the name itself kind of speaks for who he is, how he plays and what he does on the football field. So yeah, I was just, I mean, obviously they play the Raiders next week and you're just still wondering how the hell do you trade that guy? How do like how? It just doesn't make sense. But, hey, I'm so glad the Bears got him because he, he's a difference maker, obviously. And he's one of the top players in the entire NFL.
1: I mean, and he does have that weird presence around him where you just know something is about to happen. You just feel it in your, you know, your innermost being. Like, Khalil Mack's about to just do something stupid, and we're all going to have to have her jaw, you know, pick him back up <laughs> off the floor. Just get ready for it now because it's about to come. It's incredible each and every week what this guy is able to do. And, I mean, even the one that he had today, it was like his bend and his ability to get speed off of that thing to get to Cousins was you know, impeccable. It's this stuff that is like, you know, I mean, it's Hall of Fame level of play, and we're watching it, and he fell into our laps. And next week, and we'll talk about this on Thursday, but watch out, because if Khalil Mack is who I believe he is, he's going to make sure Oakland eats each and every play. Like, he's going to make sure they remember who Khalil Mack is and that they'll never forget, and that's going to happen in a week in London. At least they can say it happened out of this country, so whenever they're here, they don't have to worry about it. But looking at the defense as a whole, I mean, we can talk about the secondary as well, but they didn't have that much going on because of just how dominant the front seven was today. And, of course, it was Kirk Cousins, who still has, like, what, five or six wins in his career against winning teams all time. Whatever the stat is, uh, it's good for us, bad for Minnesota. But when I'm looking at the secondary, I have a couple of good notes from Kyle Fuller in terms of pass breakup. He did allow that one big play to Stephon Diggs which I knew was coming because they had in the graphic uh, soon before like, hey, look, Adam Thielen, Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs, they have done zilch all game long. And I'm like, yeah, I noticed that, but I was hoping you want to make a graphic about it. And then they did. Uh, but the one guy I like to highlight to me is going to be Prince of Mukamara, actually, because he had himself a pretty decent day. Uh, he got that force fumble on Stefan Diggs early on in this game that did save a long drive that was plagued by so many Bears penalties, which we're actually going to talk about that drive here in just a moment. Yep. Um, but on top of that, late in the game, he had a good recovery to a fade route to Adam Thielen in the end zone. They gave up the touchdown the next play, but then they had to go for a very important two-point conversion. And he was Johnny on the spot there and kept it a two-score game. I'll, didn't allow them to get within eight. So for me, Prince Mookamara, someone who we've been very – Critical of the season, which rightfully so at the time did have a bounce back sort of game today in which I need to give him some credit for anything that you want to mention about the Bears secondary again, very easy day for them overall.
2: It was a very easy day, and I think for most for the most part, they played very well. And look, Stefan Diggs did end up going over 100 yards, but. I think that's a little skewed, and there's a the big play. On that play for Kyle Fuller, he's playing press man, and that's not that's not what Kyle Fuller does. He's usually seven to eight yards off the ball, and not saying that Kyle Fuller can't do it. That's an all-pro corner, but you need to get just get a better jam to just disrupt the timing a little bit for Stephon Diggs. But then he has that great pass breakup to Adam Thielen in the middle of the field just because of the closing speed that Kyle Fuller has. There was, obviously, on that drive that you were just talking about, Will, it all starts in the beginning because of the the penalty by Eddie Jackson. That, mm-hmm. that was a third down play, and had that not have happened, obviously the Bears are not even in that situation in the first place. You're probably going to get good field position because of the punt. But for Eddie Jackson, I guess for, in his defense, he's just trying to get his guy off of – I think it was Buster Screen over there, and there's an offensive lineman kind of over in the area. But I think he's just trying to defend him in a way. Obviously you can't let the sure. emotions get ahead of you. That can That could have changed completely – because that ends up being a first down, and you had them pinned deep in their territory. That cannot happen. Another, um, I guess, bonehead play, and it was from a secondary player, but it was on special teams. Was a Duke Shelley, and it was funny. Like I pointed that out during the during the game, and. One of the one of my followers was like, Nick, you better be on Duke's good side. Remember, he knows about you guys. I'm like, that is true. But it was just he had a holding on special teams, and he's what has very limited opportunities during the game. And you just don't want to have that be when you get out there. Some the play that people remember, like, hey, didn't you have the holding penalty when you got out there for one play? Great. So I don't know. Just for overall, in the secondary they played very well because those receivers over there, even though they haven't been used much this season, they're still a top tandem in the NFL, but the bears at secondary really shut them down today.
1: Again, they didn't have a lot of weapons to the air. We knew that, which is why the big focus was at stopping the run. But I didn't want to look at that drive because you talked about it. I mean, it all started with that penalty by Eddie Jackson and I get it heat at the moment. You're wanting to protect your guy. I think if you look back, I think what I saw first, and I knew someone was going to get a little pissy, was that, like, the offensive lineman had his arm around, like, Buster Screen's head, like, yeah. the helmet area, which is like, okay, that's going to start something. And then it seemed real kind of actually vanilla. Like, I've seen people get into other football players' faces much more aggressively and not have any flag called. So it had to been verbal don't know what is it is but it did say unnecessary roughness so apparently Eddie has a very rough vocabulary well <laughs> we'll never know but i thought that was a real soft one at that uh, but whatever i'm not going to gripe we don't we try not to bring that into here but in terms of that drive, and then afterwards, you have, what, Aaron Lynch. It was a third and eight. He jumps off sides, turns it into a third and three, which allows them to extend that drive. And it just kept going on and on. And every time you think the Bears defense can get off the field, they extend it by some bonehead penalty. I think three penalties allowed for automatic firsts. One of the – there was four in that drive, and the other one was the one from Aaron Lynch that turned it from third and eight to third and three, which they converted anyway, which is just good enough And my book. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and complain all too much because that was the only drive where the Bears defense had a lot of penalty issues. Uh, but do you, do you agree that the Bears probably should still work on cleaning up? They've had, what, like six legal hands to the face penalties so far this year. They've jumped off sides. I think I can start counting on two hands now how many times this season they've done it, which last week I said, fine, if we're trying to be aggressive, I'll take five yards once in a while if you're going to jump off that snap in a hurry. But before, Nick, before you start yawning any further <laughs> you're trying to stifle, and I see it. I was and I don't about know to if, sneeze, actually. Oh, so, no, I'm so like, good. I'm not that goodness. boring. I'm not that no, boring. No. I, I was all like, all damn, Nick, you're really making me feel good about myself <laughs> here right now. But moving ahead, uh, in terms of the Bears and penalties, and every week it seems like we can talk about a... You know, almost a dozen, it feels like. Uh, anything you want to see just cleaned up if you had to choose one?
2: Yeah, so I think in terms of those penalties, like the offside ones I get. They're just trying to get a jump in. you got to also think, probably among these Bears players, they're probably having a competition amongst themselves. They know Khalil Mack's going to be the, close, the fastest guy to get to the quarterback. How do I get there? before Khalil Mack does, right? And that's why maybe an Aaron Lynch is trying to get off sides, trying to get that jump. But it's like the illegal hands to the face, the unnecessary – all these, those add up. And the Bears have actually – there's been takeaways that have been taken off due to penalties, even just going back to the Redskins game. There was, I think, a fumble – a sack fumble or something like that. No, there was a first off sides that happened, and now there's another turnover taken away. So there are these plays mm-hmm. where this defense could be even better, but these – just, uh, I guess, lack. It's uncharacteristic of a, of, you know, a Bears defense to really be doing this because we didn't see a lot of that last year, and now it's kind of happening. And those can end up bite, you know, being the ones that maybe extend a drive that the other team gets a touchdown for. It didn't really hurt the Bears this game, but you need to clean that up. Where teams that are not the Vikings that are inept on offense this game are going to hurt you, right? So that needs to get cleaned up. There was Prince of Mukumar just last week with the hands to the face. It was happening this week. I think it was Isaiah Irving. So another guy that gets limited reps. But the one play you remember is a, is a penalty. You can't have that happen. When you hit your opportunity, do not mess up. At least do your job. Just don't make a penalty when you're trying to do it. So, yeah, it definitely needs to get cleaned up. I don't like seeing that on the Bears defense because I thought I, just from the very beginning when A. Jackson got that penalty, I thought that was going to lead to a score. Just how, you know, how momentum shifts and things like that Mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. But it didn't. It didn't. So they need to clean it up, though, for sure. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, at that point in the game, it was still, you know, any team could have grabbed momentum and ran with it. And that's when I was like, Oh boy, like the Vikings' longest drive, besides when the Bears went to prevent mode late in this game, was due to all the Bears' penalties. Outside of that, this Vikings team could not move the ball. So it was pretty much the Bears deciding to move the ball themselves and not really Minnesota yeah. earning those yards. But it's frustrating to watch as a fan. I'm sure when they're looking back at film, it's more frustrating for them than it is, is even us. And hopefully they can work on cleaning up some of those issues because if you can find a way to take away those penalties that extend drives and you're that Chicago Bears defense that already does a great job of limiting drives as it is it just takes you to that next level and that's what I'm really hoping the Bears can do because you saw them do some amazing things today in terms of stuffing the run they look Super Bowl ready and that was without an Akeem Hicks without a Bilal Nickel. some of the key guys we were really kind of you know wanting to lean on this season so for me you got to just keep uh, plugging away and working at it, but this defense, shorthanded or not, very sc- scary unit indeed. All right, any final thoughts on the defense,
2: Nick? Or are you ready to roll on forward? I think we should roll on forward. We hit on everything, and depth players really came out to play today. That's going to be the
1: podcast. Episode title, something along those lines. So I'm glad yeah. you're thinking there as well. But all right, that's going to be it for our discussion on the defense. So uh, now in the chat, we're going to start our fourth quarter. So we're going to start on special teams. But if you do have any questions about this game, the Bears season as a whole, we're now four games in, or one quarter of the way through the season. Or if you're looking forward, feel free, uh, free to throw your comments here in the chat, and I'll be checking on that here periodically to answer a few questions. To wrap up, before we do. Oh, let's look at special teams, and I want to begin with saying this is why you need to have Sheriff McManus active each and every week because he's been uh, deactivated the last two. Coverage units suffered as a whole, and then today he had a couple of really nice open field tackles uh, in terms of coverage units, and again, this is why you have him active. He's a special teams leader. He gets down there in a hurry. He also helped uh, recover a punt real deep into uh, Minnesota territory as well to help him pin deep, so for me, uh, Sherrick McManus, He's your special teams guy. He's your special teams ace. This is He's been that guy for years. Don't don't deactivate him again. Keep him active. We need him out there. What about you, Nick? Anything on special teams that you want to talk about?
2: I mean, I think we have to mention that Eddie Pinheiro, despite having the injury, that pinched nerve in his right knee, is getting the job done three for three from field goals today. And look, the Bears have their field goal kicker, which is crazy to think just going into the offseason and everything that was happening that this was the biggest question mark and nobody knew if they were going to ever get a field goal kicker, but Pinero's the guy and he's doing it with an an injury, which is great that he's still able to get the job done. Hopefully he can get healthy uh, at some point during the season, but that is crucial for Spares uh team right now because they're struggling to score on offense just, you know, with touchdowns. So you want to have something that you can rely on to get points in the other way, which is the field goals. And Eddie Pinero's getting the job done. So Eddie money is money right now.
1: Yeah, pinch, nerve, and all. You know, pinch, nerve, be damned. Eddie's going to find a way to put it through the uprights. And again, one miss on the season. It was a pretty lengthy kick with his knee last week and one I still don't even fault him for. And I'm very excited about what he's been bringing to the table. And, you know, today it was funny because it, I think it was as long as it was 38 and everything else was inside of that. But not once was actually worried. And no. I don't know when's the last time I felt that with the Bears field goal kicker ever. Besides Robbie Gould, I had to stop myself. I was like, wait, there was a time. There was a time when I felt this way, and I can't pinpoint when it was. But no, to have him go out there, and I'm feeling good about it. Like, I'm not hiding you know, behind my hands. I'm not just scrolling on Twitter. Like, I'll look up when it's over. Like, I'm actually paying attention, and I feel pretty good about the chances of that sucker going through and putting three points up on the board. And while we're at it, kudos to Pat O'Donnell yet again, uh, continually getting teams into touchbacks with him taking over, you know, kickoff duties now for the second straight week. Uh, and he's still been punting his, you know, his ass off too. 64 yards. was a long today for him. And he's, you know, he helped flip that field position a couple of times today. Uh, two of his five punts were down inside the 20. So for me, Pat O'Donnell mega punt is someone as well. That deserves credit. The bears third phase today, besides that Duke Shelley call, was a very uh, very clean
2: unit today and for, uh, for that i think you and i are both pretty thankful anything else nick no um i think you, we hit on all the special teams points i am going to funks Bar. oh speaking of funks barbershop i saw him in well, as they're doing the camera pan over and that's the guy uh the barber at funks barbershop he was there but i'll be there wednesday what if i run into duke shelley's that would be that'd be interesting
1: It would be. I mean, I think, I mean, personally, I would want to run into some higher brass than Duke Shelley. That's true. Very true. All right. Let's get into some fan questions. Uh, I've seen a decent amount roll through the chat here and I did have to pause my feed because usually they get lost. I was like, stop. I can stop here, and we can go. I see a good question. It came from Charles Lincoln, and he wants to know our thoughts on the tight end play so far this year. Obviously, Trey Burton starting the season hurt. He's worked his way back to healthy. Uh, I did like a couple of his catches today. Still so thought he'd be a little bit more active, but I'd go to I'll, I'll defer. I'll go to you first, Nick, in terms of tight ends. What are, What are your thoughts? Four games in, uh, are they where you expected? Underperforming? What's the take?
2: Yeah, that's a unit I still want to see a lot more from. I think that. When you have a Trey Burden, obviously you pay a good amount of money to and missing missing games due to injury, still working his way back. And you have Adam Shaheen, a second-round pick, and Ben Braun. You know, they have guys now. But you want to definitely see more from them. But really, this offense hasn't gotten going all season. It's still trying to find its way. But I think just utilizing tight ends is a good way to kind of get the offense going in the right direction. So that's still a unit that has underplayed. You know, so far this season, but I think things are going to start picking up, especially with Chase Daniel at quarterback. I think that's uh, Trey Burns, a guy that he would like to target, even a Ben Broniker when he's in there, or what is it, J.P. Holtz, that mm-hmm. who I did not, I was like wondering, like when did we get this guy? And that was game, <laughs> yeah, that was a game uh, I didn't didn't make the post game show for. I'm pretty sure that's where he made his debut against the Redskins. Uh, but yeah, so again, they I want to see more from that position. There's not the greatest depth but they do have some guys that they can count on and hopefully moving forward they start to utilize them
1: right yeah i do believe and i agree with you they haven't been utilized as much as i thought they would be so far in this offense i mean like today like where's ben broniker was he hurt like was he not like he was his mia yeah exactly so like to me yeah there's still some question marks at this position and adam shaheen uh quietly, and I mean quietly, putting together one of his best seasons so far. Not a lot of production, but he's healthy, and he's out there, and he's doing a decent job in terms of blocking here as well. So I'm not really all too discouraged by what I've seen out of Adam Shaheen. I mean, obviously, for a second-round pick, you're still hoping for more, but at least he's healthy and being a part of the game plan, even if it is a teeny-tiny uh, part of it. I'm very <laughs> elated that he's still here after uh, four weeks. But Let's move on to the next question. I see it came from... Uh, part of our Mod Squad it comes from Shadow, and he wants to know, do we believe that the Bears will be uh, taking some of these injuries with caution going up against the Raiders with the travels to London and everything that kind of goes on with one of those international games? I think they will be. I think the Bears have been very cautious with injuries you know, over the last couple of seasons as a whole. Uh, so if a guy like Akeem Hicks isn't 100%, I think they proved today that they can live without him. So they can go ahead and let him rest up. And if you're looking at Trubisky, there's no way in hell he plays next week. So don't even worry about that one. Uh, And then Gabriel, uh, Gabriel as well, concussion. I mean, if he's healthy and it is a concussion, he can go back out there and give it a go. But if he's still in that murky territory, I don't think there's any reason to rush him back as well. So for me, I believe the Bears will be cautious and I expect them to be cautious. It just depends on how some of these guys kind of heal up. I don't think they'll be overly aggressive by any means. What about you, Nick?
2: Yeah, no, I think the Bears have shown, even with with the injuries they've already had, that they're not going to rush players. Even with Trey Burton, uh, he openly said that uh, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, the organization, they're letting me have my time to get back to being healthy. And when someone like that says it, you'd you'd think that that is resonated throughout. it It doesn't matter what player it is. So. Uh, yeah, I would definitely be on the side of caution with Kyle Long, and if if you mm, yes. can get away with uh, not playing him and then having the bye week for a veteran type player like him, that's someone that you def that maybe coming into next week we'll see how the practice reports come out. Uh, if he's not ready to go, sit him again. You saw two guys go in there and they were able to you know hold their own in Ted Larson and Rashad Coward, a guy Coward who hasn't played the position before. So I think that they'll definitely play on the side of caution when it comes to these injuries and having that bye week is going to definitely, uh, I think impact the decision on what some of these guys injuries are dealing with what they end up doing. So yeah, they're definitely going to be cautious moving forward with all the bears that are injured right now.
1: Sorry, I was just looking at NFC North standings and I see us right below the Packers now just due to the head to head tie, but 3 and 1, 3 and 1. That's exciting to see that we're right back up there. So that kind of got me slightly distracted here going back through the chat, looking at questions. I see one. Uh, Marcus Kanga, is Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback or not, Nick? <laughs> uh,
2: he didn't look like it today. I was watching that game just, you know, obviously rooting for the Chiefs, but yeah, he didn't look as accurate as he was. Obviously, he's. He's, a, he's probably arguably the best quarterback right now. They look at today, and if the Bears had gotten, you know, I, I won't even go that route. But, yes, he's. I think he's the best quarterback right now. Okay, uh,
1: I'm trying to get back to bear specific questions. I saw that in there though, so I, was, I figured let's at least entertain it. Uh, I saw one from Periscope. It came from uh, Carson. He wants to know our thoughts on Chase Daniel. If you're wondering our thoughts on Chase Daniel, I advise going to YouTube. That way you can go up in the show. Periscope's a little tough to do that. Definitely talked about him for a good 15 minutes or so earlier in the top of the show um other than that just a lot of questions of nick about should we bring in a quarterback from the outside either via a trade or free agency a lot of different questions about it all regards to mitch i don't think so i think we're fine as is just to get through whatever hurdle is coming up our way you're shaking your head no so i uh, believe you are in agreement
2: yeah absolutely by the time you bring in a quarterback he learns it already a complex system you would hope that Mitch is already good to go so there's no way they would bring in like an outside guy if anything it's going to be Tyler Bray he knows the system he's been here Uh, at one point he was the next greatest thing in preseason to a lot of Bears fans so he would be the most logical guy to bring up if you know they are going to bring another quarterback and I think they will next week uh you don't want Tariq Cohen being the next backup even though he's thrown two touchdown passes in his career you just don't want him to be that guy all right,
1: Nick. I think it's gonna be time for a two-minute warning. This is where we put today's game into perspective, not just from today, but the entire season as a whole. And again, we're one quarter of the way there, and we're three and one. So, Nick, take it away.
2: Yeah. So after a quarter of the season, four games, the Bears are sitting three and one. And outside of that Green Bay game, there's been bits and pieces that you can take from each each side of the ball to where you're seeing obviously this progress. Obviously, defense has played lights out the entire season, but they can win just with that defense. And you wouldn't like that to be the case, but they can, they're that good of a unit, despite having a bunch of injuries on, on that side of the ball and offensively as well. But this is now they're in the mix of things in the NFC North, which is a very competitive division. They do have the Raiders next week and then a bye. Hopefully people can get healthy with a big question. Now moving forward, how long is it going to take for Mitch Trubisky to get back And be fully healthy. And when I mean fully healthy, I'm just not talking about the injury, but actually feel good about throwing. Be someone that can actually you can feel confident in. Not like last year, where you kinda I think they may have brought him in a little too soon. And that's why he had the game he did against the Rams, three interceptions. So that's the big question moving forward. We all know what this defense can do. They're going to keep the Bears in every single game. Opposing offenses are not going to be able to move the ball effectively. And if they are, it's going to happen when It's a fourth quarter, and they just have to move the ball. So the Bears are in a good position right now. They just need to get healthy. It's actually a good time for this bye week to come in. I thought looking at this schedule was a little early, but it's actually working out in the Bears' favor uh, for this season. Yeah, it's all about how how healthy can this team get over the next, I would say, two or three weeks, and then they have a really tough schedule moving forward. But the Bears are sitting at 3-1. It's a good spot to be at. And I think there was a lot of panic, especially after week one, how the offense performed, what the, what the I guess the the vibe around the team was, all these high expectations. The Bears are in a good spot right now. They just need to get healthy moving forward. Good stuff there,
1: Nick. For my two-minute warning, I'm going to focus on the Bears' ability to overcome adversity. And we saw it in bunches today, and that's a big reason why I went the way I did for my MVB choices, but... I tweeted this out. Bears are a good football team because they found ways to overcome adversity. And that's what good playoff caliber football teams do. If something isn't going their way, either in the middle of a game, they find a way to adjust. Or if there are key players that are hurt, they find ways to overcome. It doesn't matter what adversity ends up striking. It's going to happen. It's a long NFL season and every team faces it to one degree or another. And the Bears got thrown this week quite a few curveballs from the Kyle Long injury to Roquan Smith being a surprise inactive. No Taylor Gabriel, no Akeem Hicks. And it was starting, you know, the weather was going weird Soldier Field, the turf wasn't holding up all too well. And I was like, this, this feels like it could be a very you know scary game for the Bears, but they proved that they're a good football team because they found a way to overcome every challenge that was thrown their way today. NFL's leading rusher coming into town, slew them down. You know, Kirk Cousins, never mind, I'm kidding about that one. But other than that, for me, I mean, I'm looking at this team and I'm very proud of the efforts that they did today. All the backups that stood in. Not just a Nick Wachowski, but also a guy like Kevin Pierre-Lewis, a Nick Williams who you never hear of, a Roy Robson-Harris. I mean, these guys, a Ted Larson, a Rashad Coward going into playing guard, a position he's ever played before. That's what good teams do. Chase Daniel stepping in on the seventh play of this game, never looking back, and that offense finished that drive and found a way to put up points. It didn't stall out. They didn't punt it and say, well, figure it out later. They had the scripted plays. They stuck to him, and Chase Daniel delivered. So for me... Everybody who stood up today, and it's not just the people who stood up in places of others, but the rest of the team rallying right behind those guys. To me, I'm a proud Bears fan today. They found a way to get it done, move to 3-1, and one, back on top with the Packers to tie that thing on well, close, the one-on-one matchup, but that's okay. We'll get there uh, later on here in the season. But again, every other team lost the NFC North this week. Every other team besides the Bears, besides them. They're the lone winners this week, working our way back up to where we belong. It's a long season, but we have one more game and then a bye. Then you recalibrate and then you push forward. And I'm very excited about what I can see uh, coming up in the future and what I've already seen from this team in general. So that's going to be my two-minute warning today. And I'm excited because now we get to look forward to the final game before the bye and head into an interesting week across the pond, as they say. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show. Again, whether you watch it on YouTube, Facebook Live, Periscope, or if you're amongst the thousands of listeners of the podcast around the entire globe, we really do appreciate you. No matter how you consume our show, we really do appreciate the time that you take to come listen to us talk about some Chicago Bears football. So we'll be back next week to prepare for the Oakland Raiders. I'm sure Khalil Mack's already ready. I'm sure he can just suit up right now and go back out there for another 60 minutes. But we need a break, and we'll be back soon uh, as we meet the Raiders in just a couple of days. But until then, bear down, Chicago.